Welcome to the Missing Chapter Podcast, where you will hear some of the least known, obscure, and entertaining stories the history textbooks left out. Starring Phil Horander and Phil Schaff. The man was a grudge holder, and today he was already fuming. The smell of smog, the oppressive heat and humidity, the unmerciful rush hour traffic. The overwhelming tidal wave of sidewalk commuters pushing and bumping into him as he left his office for the day. He was exhausted, frustrated, and simply put, wanted to be home. Standing on the street, Kirby waved frantically at the handsome cabs that raced by him. The city's archaic system of horse-drawn carriages was dirty, noisy, ineffective, and only compounded the man's anger. The city was congested, and simply traveling from one city block to another was not only cumbersome, but next to impossible. On this episode of the Missing Chapter podcast, we jump into a tale where our destination is the fame and financial success that one man's grudge will take him on, and where it's fair to say that his story is sure to entertain. Hello, everybody. I am Phil Schaff here with Phil Horner. Welcome back to the Missing Chapter podcast. Before we get started today, we are sipping on Utica Coffee Roasting Company's Great Pumpkin. It's warm pumpkin spice paired with a sweet pastry. Like we've always said about Utica Coffee Roasting Company, they're spot on with their descriptions and their flavors. This is the type of pumpkin that is a very natural flavor rather than the artificial ones that we've actually had in the past. We've even talked about on air before. So thank you, Utica Coffee Roasting Company, for delivering that for us. Now, Phil... I don't know much about this topic, mm-hmm. so I'm very excited for this. Um, before we get into it, I, I, I want to make sure and, and address what you and I talked about off air just a few minutes ago. Yeah, um, we just checked our our emails uh, and and make sure that we're, we're responding to you know listener questions or comments. We wanted to make sure that that you all know um, that one of the purposes of this podcast is to create uh, a conversation. And we would love to know if we've ever had any sort of impact on conversations. We'd like almost like a coffee conversation, a coffee connection. So something that you would, you know, you invite a friend to, uh, to go for a cup of coffee and you have a conversation. We want to know if, if some of our topics, some of our episodes have had an influence on uh, creating a conversation. So if you've had those instances, um, it's a missing chapter coffee connection we could even call it i don't know but in some way shape or form if we had had an influence on your creation of a conversation that let us know we'd love to hear from you yeah and along those same lines phil i'm going to take the opportunity to uh, to give a nice shout out here to one of our avid listeners robbie secker a friend of ours out in wisconsin who emailed me back in august and uh, i never got a chance to respond but uh, robbie likes listening to us on a, on a 12-hour shift uh, that she works and she had mentioned us uh that uh, the Edmund Fitzgerald episode in, in particular yep. was one that she really enjoyed and and uh, and had a connection to. So I just want to say hi to Robbie and keep listening, Robbie. And really, yeah, just, you know, conversation is where it's at. In a day and age where everyone's got their head down looking at a phone or working, you know, on a computer, we want to keep that eye to, eye to eye conversation going 100%. And, and help promote it, really. So if we can do that in any little way, uh, mission accomplished for us. Absolutely. So I'm really excited for this new episode. So Phil, take it away. All right, Phil. Now we live about uh, three and a half hours from New York City. And I think one of the things 
that you automatically think of if you've ever been to New York City um, or even think of New York City in the movies are the yellow cabs. Of course. The yellow cabs. I mean, think about how many iconic, famous movies involve someone trying to, you know, frantically get into a cab or the frustration when they're not able to to get a cab, right? Right. And it's just the congestion that the cab is a part of. So I'm going to delve a little bit deeper into where did those cabs originate? How do we get the famous yellow taxi cabs of New York City? So taxi cabs first took the streets of New York in 1897. Really? Yeah. And there's a nice Aaron Gold motor trend connection here that I'm going to get to in just a minute that I think you'll appreciate. But Samuel's Electric uh, Carriage and Wagon Company opened for business in July of that year with a dozen electric handsome cabs. So 1897, Phil, they were electric. Electric. The company operated for a year with up to 62 cabs in operation. The following year in 1898, the company was transformed into the electric vehicle company by its financial backers. And the new company designed a new electric car known as the Electrobat. And the electric vehicle company operated 100 cabs in New York City in 1899. And I think, you know, we always talk about electricity in this area of the country, much less this area of the state. You know, right down the river from us, we have uh, General Electric, home-based in Schenectady. I don't know if there's a connection there. I think I kind of want to look into it. But it seems awfully ironic, right? I mean, we were one of the first uh, areas of the world to get, you know, electric streetlights because of GE. Right. So I'm wondering if the electric car, or in this case, the electric taxi, might have played a role with being uh, that, that close in proximity to General Electric. Interesting. I, yeah. Maybe some at least some of the technology then that, that mm-hmm. was involved. You know, I just I just had to look this up. You're talking 18, what did you say, 90? 1897, 1898, right through to 1899. This is crazy because Carl Benz applied for a patent for his vehicle powered uh, by a gas engine vehicle um, <clears throat> in 1886. Mm. So this is not too much no. past that original car. And you're thinking, you know, 100 cabs in a city that's already congested has, sure, it's fair amount of pollution. You know, the fact that it has 100 cabs working electrically, you know, had to play a big role in keeping that pollution down, I would imagine. I would have to imagine, yeah. So by the early 1900s, up to 1,000 electric cabs transported residents and passengers around New York City on a day-to-day basis. And the company suffered a huge setback in 1907 when 300 of its fleet, 300 of its cars were destroyed in a fire. And that loss in the panic of 1907, financial panic, led the company to file for bankruptcy later that year. Wow. And Turin, the gentleman that I introduced you to in today's uh, introduction, horse-drawn carriages returned to popularity. We go from having electric cars back to horse-drawn. That's so bizarre. It really is. And it goes right back to that Aaron Gold episode. Yeah. Aaron, if you're listening, man, you were, you're wise beyond your years. Yeah. This is, yeah, we're going back. That's it. And I, I didn't really intend for that kind of uh, that that element to play a role here. But as I was looking it over, I'm like, well, we've, we've addressed this already. And not to interject, but yeah. something I got thinking too, and I had to look this up. You know, we're, New York City uh, has about eight and a half million people currently. Mm-hmm. They had in 1900. I didn't realize 3.4 million people. Because as, as you're mentioning, what, a thousand a thousand early 1900s, a thousand electric cabs. So as I'm as I'm thinking, of, did they really need a thousand electric cabs? And yeah, they sure yeah. did. Yeah, they did. 3.4 million people in that that small area. Yeah, you think by the turn of the century, really the United States was becoming really a steel capital of the world. Right. 
so you think like the skyscrapers and the and the development of downtown Manhattan must have been at, at its height. So, like I said, horse-drawn carriages returned to popularity in New York following the electric vehicle companies, you know, uh, fire and their demise. However, things were soon about to change. Enter in Harry N. Allen, who did not like the fares that horse-drawn carriages charged so much so. His frustration led him to start his own taxi service, which will fill, develop into the taxis that we have in New York City wow. today. Yep. Allen's New York Taxi Cab Company started service in 1907 after Allen imported 65 red and green automobiles from France. Huh. Now, number one, I wouldn't expect him to, to transport automobiles in from France, but that's the country he got them from. And, and he started out with red and green. Now, obviously, this doesn't fit our iconic yellow taxi. Uh, that we associate with New York City today. So he decided very shortly after that to paint his cars yellow so that they were more noticeable from a distance and that people looking for uh, cabs to, to transport them um, were, were able to see them easier. In, the, in the, the, the continuation of this theme of going back, mm -hmm. here we are in 2023. And if you look at some of these big city cabs, they're now going back to green. Are they really? You know, so if you, yeah, if you're in New York City and if you've gone through recently, you'll notice that a lot of these yellow cabs have gone this, I don't want to call it a neon green, but it's mm -hmm. almost like a, yeah, like a seafoam green. Which is strange because, I mean, you think of colors that we associate with different automobiles and things like that, like, you know, red fire trucks, yellow right. school buses. You associate yellow with taxi cabs. Correct. Not just in New York City, but... And he's he, red and green. I'm, I'm so curious about that. Why France? Yeah. Why red and green? Maybe he's a big fan of Christmas. I don't know. <laughs> and, and just to think, you, a, a gentleman's frustration, his anger over being charged, what he, he perceived as being too high of a rate for too short of a distance, led him to ultimately change the course of history for a major metropolitan area. Uh, that's yeah. amazing. And, yeah. and a huge financial you know, boom for him. So a year later, the New York Taxi Cab Company that Allen had, had originated with had 700 taxis wow. offering service in New York City. More and more companies entered the New York City taxi market over the next day, decade. And again, listen, it's not really what he intended, but now you're having competition. It's not just his taxi cab right. company. So you have competition that's obviously going to benefit uh, you know, the people looking to be transported around the city. Enter in Ford, the Ford Motor Company. And General Motors were the first major car manufacturers to design and operate taxi fleets by the 1920s. A decade after that, the Checker Cab Manufacturing Company created the familiar yellow and black taxi cabs that many residents re uh, remember fondly. And in your mind, if you think of the taxi cab that now has the, the runner from taillights to headlights that yes. has the, the checkered yes. uh, strip alongside uh -huh. that's what okay. we're talking about there. The New York, what was called the Hack Bureau, was formed in 1925 to help regulate the city's taxi industry. You have so many taxis now, you have so many companies trying to get in on this business that you actually had to have a city bureau division, um, manu or, uh, excuse me, uh, regulating all of it. Yep. Yep. So there were as many as 300,000 taxi cabs, Phil, in New York City during the 1930s. Now, economically speaking, you know, we teach uh, uh, participation in government class. We, we, we teach economics in our in our global classes. Mm -hmm. This is this is a, a perfect example of someone who sees a problem, creates a solution, an economic solution, a business model. And then because of that, 
the trickle down effect from that decision mm-hmm. has influenced you. You need people to to help create that. I, so right. you're not just talking about a cultural shift in New York City where you see these cabs and now people have an easier way to get to it, a cheaper cheaper way to get to their place of uh, of work. But now you have people being hired because you have to have you have to have you know manual labor to right. create all these things. So that's that's an an economic impact, maybe unforeseen. And, and thinking along those economic lines and wh- where we're going as a world economy in the 1930s and some of the problems that um, kind of the the market is being flooded by too many taxis, you're going to see some very common problems arise. Citizens started raising concerns about whether or not those taxis were being maintained regularly. Ooh, okay. Right? And in most areas, Phil, there were more taxi drivers than there were passengers. <laughs> but it's like, all right, well, how... Are they being maintained? Are they safe? Um, this led to a talk of a possible taxi monopoly in the city. Uh, however, such plans were scrapped after it was discovered that then New York City Mayor Jimmy Walker was found guilty of accepting bribes from the Parmalee Company, New York City's largest taxicab company at the time. Uh, new Mayor Fiorello LaGuardia, okay. LaGuardia International Airport, signed in 1937 what was called the Haas Act which implemented the taxi license and medallion systems that are still being used today. Wow. So you have to have a license. You yep. have to, you know, those taxi cabs have to be, you know, maintained a certain way and checked every once in a while. This law required the purchase of a medallion for taxi cabs to operate. And it also limited the number of taxis in the city to 16,900. Now that number eventually decreased to just under 12,000 where it has rarely fluctuated in the decades since. So there, you're, you're seeing, you know, decisions made in the 1930s, 1940s that actually impact New York City today. Taxi services continued to prosper in New York City until the 1960s when rural crime and racial conflicts affected the business. More and more private car services sprung up in smaller neighborhoods and the city government decided that all medallion taxis should be painted yellow to help reduce unauthorized private car services. Hmm. So think along the lines of what we're seeing today with Uber. Yep. We're actually, we saw that in the 1960s as well. People just privately funding their own quote unquote taxi services to compete with the yellow taxis. So much so that they had to say, all right, listen, it's kind of infringing on the business. Let's make sure everyone is being, you know, is paying their, their taxi yellow. So people know that they're getting a, uh, a safe ride. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's something I never really considered why, you know, you have private car companies, you have private limousine services. What would stop someone from creating another taxi service that's, that's why not? maybe unregulated, of course, and then you take the risk. You know, you get what you pay for. So if it's cheaper, can you guarantee its safety? That's exactly, interesting. Exactly. Now, um, yellow was widely used, but this, this form of yellow, which is almost like a, a dark yellow, the color was actually selected by the wife of the new departure cab company owner for their company's fleet of Rockwell taxis. And these Rockwell service cabs were later renamed yellow taxi cabs. Mm-hmm. Um, fast forward to 1971, the New York Taxi and Limousine Commission was formed to regulate the city's taxi cabs, commuter limousines, delivery vehicles, and paratransit cars and trucks. And it replaced the Hack Bureau from the 1920s and operates under the jurisdiction of the New York City Police Department. Unfortunately, Phil, crime continued to increase in the city over the next two decades. And listen, this is something, if you're American history um, uh aficionado. You know that New York City today, and especially New York City prior to COVID, 
yep. was not the New York City of the 60s, the 70s, Correct. even the 80s, where it was a much darker, more kind of dirty, uh, crime-ridden uh, city. So taxi drivers in the 60s and 70s found themselves at much greater risk of being robbed, injured, or even killed. Over 3,000 drivers were robbed and seven drivers were killed during the first half of the 1970s. Wow. Bulletproof window partitions, lockboxes, lock were installed as a response to the rise in violence until officials realized that crooks were hijacking taxi cabs in response. Oh so you're going to do lockboxes. You're going to do the familiar you know, shield that separates the driver from the passenger today. People were just taking the, the entire taxi. Oh, my God. So these conditions, the rising cost of medallion licenses resulted in a shortage of drivers during the 70s and 80s. And the memorable uh, checker taxi cabs were also being phased out almost entirely. Chevy, Ford, Toyota models took their place in the taxi industry along with former police cruisers. Oh, wow. Which, again, if you look back at the models, you think, yeah, there's a similarity between what you see as a police car and now the old taxi cabs. That's it, 100%. Caprice. Other car and minivans now. Uh, makes and models would later be added to companies' tax, uh, taxi fleets. And eventually, the number of taxi drivers in New York City increased due to an influx of immigrants in the 1980s and 90s. All right, welcome back from the break. Here we are uh, finishing up Taxi Taxi. All right, so Phil, as soon as we left for our, our uh, commercial break for us with our sponsors, I, I had a, an epiphany, and I, mm. I started to mention it, and I said, what? Let me do this on air. I had to look this up. Are the colors of the taxis the same color as school buses? And when you asked me that, I was like, absolutely. Yeah. So here's in my the mind, I'm thinking 100%. Yeah. Here's the answer. No. Mm. Uh, this has been theorized in 1914. John D. Hertz, Hertz Rent-A-Car, Hertz of Chicago actually chose yellow for his yellow cab company for branding purposes a full 25 years before yellow became the chosen color of school buses. So... There's the answer to that. Now, the other thing is, as you were talking about taxis, um, I don't know where I heard this, and I'm going to have to do some reconnaissance. Maybe it's a follow-up taxi, taxi episode. But I believe when Jack Dorsey created Twitter, he was inspired because he was in the back of a taxi listening into the radio communication between other taxis. And he said, hey, wouldn't that be cool if there was a way civilians could you know, have some almost like an APB right. that, that was was spanned out throughout the entire community, state, country, world. And I think that's how he was inspired to create. I Twitter. think I'd heard that, too. Yeah. Or at least some form of social media. So if I got that wrong, someone correct me, please. But I'll have to follow up and, and check that out. Uh, but this is phenomenal. This is yeah. a, a lot of pieces of history for us in New York. Locally speaking, we're not that far away from New York City, right. where I maybe never even thought about it. No, and what amazed me, Phil, is that over a hundred plus years, you're talking about something that really has not changed all that dramatically. True. Um, you know, obviously, as technology changes, you have the the needs and the challenges that the city itself is facing. You know, certain things will change, but um, overall you're dealing with the same concept and the same system that you did in the very early 20th century, which True. I think is, is kind of amazing. And really the, now the focus on safety and then technology upgrades are some of the more noticeable upgrades overall of the taxi cab in recent years. 1997 celebrity talking talk taxi program encouraged the use of seatbelts for all taxi occupants. So I'm thinking to myself, that's a great question. Are you required to, or are you at least provided 
um, with a with a seatbelt when you get into a taxi? See, I've only taken a taxi a few times right. in my life, and I don't think I've ever buckled my seatbelt in the back I, there. Probably not. The program ran for six years, and even though it was primarily disliked by both riders and drivers, um, they decided, listen, um, yeah, passenger information monitors said, we're, we're going to install back seats, uh, 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 seatbelts for all taxi cabs in the cities. Wow. So o- only in 2008 did that happen. Really? That, yeah. Okay. Yep. Because now, I think most people think, well, I'm not going fast. I'm not going for a long time. Maybe I don't want to you know, wrinkle my uh, the clothes I'm wearing. True. So it's not even necessary. But by 2008, it was mandatory that you at least had to have an option of a seatbelt. Wow. I never thought about yep. that. Because if you're thinking public transportation, a bus, I don't know if I've ever buckled my seatbelt on a bus, I, I, trains, I don't know if I've ever done that. No. And here I am. I mean, I never get into my car without buckling my seatbelt. I don't know why I feel safe getting into public transportation, not doing the same thing. But the other thing that they implement, systems now provide live GPS information and obviously entertainment, um, you know, with with advertising that's yeah. running. You also have passengers uh, given the option to swipe a credit card to pay for their ride. Obviously, that's that's better for the passenger because you can use credit cards, but it also is safer now because you don't have to actually exchange money with the driver. So right. we're thinking safety for them as well. Other features have been added as newer vehicles uh, and additional car manufacturers have ended the market over the last two decades. Car services, also known as livery cabs or license for hire vehicles, were allowed to operate in New York City beginning in 2012. Hmm. Their green apple colored vehicles are only allowed to pick up passengers who've contacted their particular service in advance. Ah, okay. So that's the catch. Yep. Both yellow cabs and car services, Here's this is interesting too, have the same fare structure but the service area that they offer differs. Okay. So they, they still have to have the same fare, which I think Mr. Allen from our introduction would appreciate some consistency. Yeah. Yellow cabs can pick up passengers anywhere in the five boroughs of New York city. Car services can pick up passengers anywhere in Brooklyn, the Bronx, Staten Island, upper Manhattan and Queens with the exception of JFK international and LaGuardia. So, all right. As you're talking about this, you know what dawned on me? You know, you take Uber, mm-hmm. Lyft, and now they have become what actually started the taxi to begin with. Correct. And I think of it almost like a checkout line in a grocery store where you have advances in technology and different options. But at, at the same time, are you phasing out an element hmm. to the grocery store experience? Are you going to eventually? I don't think you'll see a point where you don't have yellow taxi cabs in New York City. Right. Because I think people will always have that idea that listen, I didn't expect it to have to go from here to there, X to X to Y. Um, and you can just step out of a building, put your hand up in the air and, and flag down a yellow taxi cab as opposed right. to trying to go through the process of getting an Uber. True. Yeah. I would think that's that's kind of where I'm standing. I would hope so, because that's an iconic figure of the right. New York City landscape. But along those lines, Phil, the number of yellow taxi cabs have declined somewhat over the last few years due to the increased popularity of independent riding share services like Uber. But they remain efficient, affordable way to get around the city. And the thing that they also provide, and I think it's almost iconic as much as the the automobile itself, is the experience of riding with most taxi cab drivers. Yeah. In that you're in the city, they're going to give you ideas on where to go, what to do, what to see. It's like and a built-in tour guide. It's a built-in tour guide, and it's become almost as much as the experience of riding in the taxi as the taxi itself.
Thank you for joining us. Until next time, I'm Phil Schaff. And I'm Phil Horander. Another chapter has been added to the history textbooks. <laughs>